Hello and welcome to the Zenial Dome. My name is Gareth Gwynn. And I'm Essil Sears and this is the podcast for people born between 1977 and 1985 who are also the people who used to carry all their wealth around their necks. In, in, in what way? <laughs> I did I should I probably that? explain that. Uh, do you remember those kind of plastic money carrying yes. things that you would hang around your neck yeah. on a piece of string? That you'd go to a theme park and they'd sell in the gift shop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but you're you're displaying your wealth. Yeah, a little tube that yeah. would hold nine or ten <laughs> pound coins. Probably, probably not a fifty p. No, you can't jump a fifty p in there. But yeah, and then you'd wander around with your ten pounds <laughs> round your neck. <laughs> yeah, take my money if you can, punks. Yes, yes, quite, quite an audacious move. <laughs> no, but also. You you were usually wearing them at like a theme park or something like that. Yes. If you went on like a roller coaster, like it's not the best thing because it, surely it's flying about, it's hitting yes. you in the nose. It's I, heavy. It's, it's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> also, you could get tied up inside. Oh, I don't know. That's a parent coming out and I'm going like, I know. Are, I'm these sorry. Things are lethal. What on earth are we doing? Uh-huh. I, I presume they got usurped by the bum bag. I assume so, yeah. You could carry more stuff in there. But then, what were you actually carrying in a bum bag then? Because it's still just coins, isn't it? Yeah, coins. But this time, you could have a 50p. That's true. You could true. have something. Uh, the limit with when a bum was, bag. When it was the little bright yellow plastic tubes, there was, there was a point at which it was like, wow, this is too much money. <gasps> I like to imagine that's what Murdoch's wearing. Yeah. <laughs> a bum bag for all his wealth, all his 50ps. <laughs> Um, We should introduce this week's guest, who is the brilliant Anna Jordan. Anna is a uh, playwright. She's written plays like uh, We Anchor in Hope and Pop Music, which is one we're going to mention in the show. But also, she wrote for Killing Eve. Uh, She was a writer on Succession, which we avoided talking about for fear of spoilers. So you can listen to this without any fear of spoilers. Um, Please enjoy 1979 and... Killing Eve and Successions, Anna Jordan. Just to start, right, like um, uh, Marge from The Simpsons, (laughs) which is a very zenial reference, isn't it? I've got a horrible cold that's been hanging around forever, so that's why I sound so husky. I don't always sound like this. So 1979 makes you... Very zenial. You're you're right in the crossover of Gen X and Millennials. So yeah. um, do you think of yourself as a zenial? I think I do. So like so many things, I sort of had a bit of basic information and just filled in the blanks myself wrongly. So like I knew I was part of Generation X. And whenever I hear the words Generation X, I see in my mind um, the Smells Like Teen Spirit video. And I always thought we were called Generation X because we were like (laughs) (laughs) nonconformist. We were like alternative, doing our own thing. And then, of course, people started saying millennial. And I always used to say to my friend, lots of my friends are younger than me, which is quite annoying. I used to say, you fucking millennial. And he'd be like, yeah, that's what I am. It's not an insult. That's literally what I am. I just hadn't really thought about what each of the things meant. And then I directed plays and also like writ- started writing things that are set in different time periods and stuff. And then you learn about all the different generations. And you're like, oh, right, that's what it is. So, but you, the question you asked me was, do I think of myself as a zenial? I, I think it's really useful, actually, um, because I don't like having been born in the 70s. I mean, I did three months. I did three months of the 70s. And I feel like (laughs) if ever I say I'm born in the 70s, I have to very quickly say, but right at the end of 1979. Because if you're going to do the 70s, you want to have done... Yeah, you want to have done the good bit. And also, like, it's funny. I was thinking, am I funny about talking about my age? Like, as you get older, you think about it more. My mum always lied about her age to the point where it got really confusing and I just wasn't sure how old she really was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But I actually, when it comes down to talking about age, I am really open about it and just happy to talk about it. Why shouldn't I be? But then Mm. only the caveat to that is as long as people are slightly surprised, at least, that I'm as old as I am. (laughs) If they don't (laughs) respond with like, oh, really? 
The seventies. I, I tend to reveal. Yeah, I tend. I tend to reveal my age when I think I'm looking particularly yeah. good that day because I know I'll get that yes. response. If I look like shit, I'm keeping yes. it on the down low. Yes. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. Exactly what you mean. Oh God. Um. But so I do. Yeah, I do. I think. I think it's a useful bracket. I really do think it's a useful bracket, actually. And um. Yeah. Happy to be in it. But it's funny. I think how how I think. The media has made this thing of pitting the generations against yeah. each other because I think as a concept, it's quite nice. It's quite nice to try and define mm. your era and what you might have in common with people who grew up around the same time as you. I think there's something quite comforting Definitely. in that. Um, but it, I, I do think it's driven by the media, this whole you know millennials hate boomers you know and gen z are just really (laughs) annoying and it's just like they're not you know they're just going through their own era (laughs) just leave them alone (laughs) do you remember where you were when diana died i actually went down i went to central london the night before her funeral so like we didn't, we, well, we obviously didn't go to the funeral, but me and my boyfriend at the time, we were really into speed. Like we just discovered drugs and we were really into speed. And so basically <laughs> everything we did was, was fueled by speed. So when we found out about Diana, we were, a group of us were coming back from a party. It was about 6.30 in the morning and we were really buzzing off our tits. And um, and we walked into the newsagents probably to buy fags, which is disgusting, right? And we saw this headline um, which said, Dodie dead, die injured, right? Which my friend found inexplicably hilarious and was just standing in the middle of the newsagents laughing about this headline. Um, and anyway, so it was the discovery of it was so surreal because we were so strung out. And then again... I, I did. I, it was really sad about Diana, but again, it was a it was a morbid curiosity that sort of sent us down there. We went about eleven o'clock. We were like quite high and like you know, sort of wandering around, like <laughs> smelling those flowers, watching people there with their candles, and bearing in mind, like we'd never seen anything like this before. And my my resounding no. image from that experience is about three o'clock in the morning a load of really drunk people on a fountain in central London singing what's up by four (laughs) non-blondes every time I hear that all I can think about is the death of Diana (laughs) it's just why are they singing that I genuinely I genuinely didn't think we would ever top Mark Watson's recollection of diana's funeral and having his first snog oh yeah i heard that that was like but but being off your tits on speed this is this is taking it it only would have been better if we'd um if we'd hung around for the actual funeral but we were obviously in bed by then so (laughs) and slept the whole of the next day missed it all it's really interesting because so you grew up in brentford am i right? right yeah okay so talking about like being in the middle of stuff happening and mm. observing stuff breaking on on TV and things. Yeah. It's closer to you than it ever was to Gareth and I. <laughs> Cuz what we wanted to know was whether your school had ever been on TV. I'm so glad you asked this question cuz <gasps> I, I don't think I'd have thought to tell you my answer. Uh, it's quite a I suppose it's quite a zenial answer, I don't know. Um so my school was on TV because around the time that Boney M re-released Mary's boy child they were obviously skint so rather than making a video uh a camera crew came to our school and filmed the school nativity oh my god (laughs) every Christmas me and my friend play this game where it's like once he's seen me in the Mary's boy child Boney M video on telly Christmas can commence and this year it was like 25th of October which is ridiculous like even though even though I'm getting the coverage I don't want Christmas to start that early um so basically it was like me and my friends doing a nativity Boney M never came I mean that would have made it a lot more uh, appealing and attractive 
And then they used it in the video. We never got paid anything for it, which was fine. I remember like my mum and dad having to sign off all this stuff. But yeah, so that was that was that is my claim to fame, actually. That is the thing that I'm That's pretty cool. Most That's excited a very London about. thing to have happened. Um, yeah, yeah. To have been in a Boney M yeah. video your school nativity. <laughs> uh, so what's your role in the nativity? I'm a shepherd. Shepherd. Oh, yeah, great. I didn't make Mary. Yeah, no, Mary's always given to the girl who doesn't have any lines. Genuinely, I've I've observed this for years because I was never Mary, but I always always had lines. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a trade-off. Yes. Were you always the narrator? Yeah, I was often like Angel Gabriel or something who was narrating. Yeah, I was as well. Yeah, <laughs> I remember being narrator and like you. You got to wear like a bit of smart mufti. <laughs> Do you guys say mufti? <laughs> no, what, what is mufti? Yeah, non uniform day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a it's a military term, isn't it? Yeah. The amount of times I've said, is it mufti day or we had mufti day? And people are like, what did you have? <laughs> <laughs> Who were you in the Nativity, Gareth? Uh, I was Joseph. Absolutely nailed it. Oh, did, did you have lines? Oh, couldn't, couldn't stop me rabbiting on. <laughs> I had lines, I had songs. I think I was all over it. <laughs> One-man show. <laughs> Gareth and I always get really excited when we have a guest on who grew up in London because growing up in West and South Wales, like we felt we, we were obviously consuming a lot of the cultural stuff, that, the popular culture stuff that was coming from London, but it felt so inaccessible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to us. Can I just say it's, it's so nice to have someone be pleased that you're from London. Like that never <laughs> happens. Everyone's always just like, oh shit, you're from London. Um, but yeah, so, like if we if we yeah. if we were meeting now and we were like nine years old, I'd want you to be my best friend because you were in London and you were you were on TV. Also, and- <laughs> I, it's not until I've become an adult I've realised because I watch quite a lot of archive stuff for work and I realise mm. that producers mm. are very clever at muddying the waters. So they'll often mm. say this school from Shepherd's Bush, this school from Hammersmith, this school from Brentford, this school from Camden. The thing is, yeah. as a kid. In South Wales, all those places could be anywhere in Britain. Whereas I <laughs> yeah, now know, yeah. I, I mean, I have walked from Brentford to Television Centre, so I do know it's possible. Have it might you? not be possible. Yeah, yeah, that's doable. How long that's did it fine. take you? Uh, it's probably about an hour and a half or something like that, which I would have been willing to do to see Trevor and Simon. Is the truth. <laughs> But the magic of Television Centre, oh. I don't think, ever, ever goes away because I I saw it for the first time ever four years ago when I got to do some work there. And I, I must have stood outside for a good 20 minutes just staring oh, really? at where that, the live and yeah. kicking, that massive ball bounced uh. into the, that bowl centre. I just, I, I find it magical. <laughs> well, actually, do, do you know what's funny is that when you said about uh, it being within walking distance, it's funny in, I suppose, being from London, television centre seems quite far away to me because everything is is close to you do you know what I mean but I Mm. spent quite so I've spent quite a lot of time at at television centre for various different reasons um oh god that sounds like such a humble brag (laughs) can I just say for various failed projects (laughs) it is where ideas go to die we've all been there (laughs) but yeah it's funny that isn't it how you perceive it to be quite close and I'm like that's a 237 bus all the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what cereal did you buy just for the toy inside? Oh, God. Now, I remember thinking the other day, <laughs> do they do that anymore? And then I was thinking, no, I bet they don't. Because I was thinking, it's health and safety gone mad, like a gammon. <laughs> but I was thinking, I bet if the toy fell in the bowl and then the kid ate the toy and choked then, you know, you'd be in trouble, wouldn't you, as a cereal? <laughs> as a cereal yeah, they definitely maker. don't. I, I think I've bought every <laughs> single cereal possible for my kids over the last nine years. And, yeah, they definitely don't. And do as someone yeah. who still eats ki- what largely are kids' cereals, as far as I can tell, there are no toys in there. <laughs> <laughs> it just told, I was like, I don't know if they do. And then I'm like, you've literally got Cocoa Pops in the cupboard. If they did, you'd know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Cocoa Pops are the... So I... I don't remember the toys that came out, but I remember that Cocoa Pops was like, they were my staple breakfast for years and years. And also my, I used to drink loads and loads of originally Coke 
And I'm talking about I'd be dragging like a two litre bottle round of Coke around the house with me, which then turned into Diet Coke. But like whatever happens, I just don't think the information was available to my parents at that time to say, don't have Cocoa Pops every day. And don't drink two litres of Coke <laughs> every single day. But that was very I much know, my diet. Pops at the in- time as well would have had so much sugar in it because by now mm. those cereal companies have had to lower their sugar um, sugar tally and the, the salt content and yes. stuff like this. But back back then, they could put any old shit in <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But as long as it, turn, it turns the milk chocolatey, which is amazing, yeah. right? That is, yeah. eat your Cocoa Pops and then drink the milk is... Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, Did you have a TV in your room? Um, No, I didn't. So, um, but I was looking through some old photos the other day and did see um, the TV that we had in the living room. And I was surprised. I don't remember it ever being that shit. It was tiny and white. (laughs) I like had white casing. But um, no, I didn't. I must have had a TV in my room at some point. But I always think now that I'd quite like one now, but I'm kind of <laughs> snobby about it because I think I don't want people to think I watch telly in bed. I'm doing much more exciting things than that. Instead, you're just watching TV on the sofa and falling asleep on the sofa and yeah. waking up on the sofa in the yeah. morning. <laughs> or watching telly That's on better. my phone in bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, and I always think it looks a bit shit when you've got a big telly. Um, in your bedroom. So I was thinking maybe the solution is to get one of those beds that the telly comes out of the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really funny though, because I think if you didn't have a TV when you were younger, mm, you will have this idea of what that means. Yeah. So like if you had told me now that you definitely had a TV in your bedroom when you were younger, I would have a perception of you immediately <gasps> you? about yeah. what kind of person you were growing up having had a TV in your room. What that makes me think of is I've recently got my son I'm actually cringing as I'm saying this I've recently got my son a double bed right he's four (laughs) but it's because (laughs) this doesn't isn't as exciting as it sounds but I've got a two-bedroom flat there's all sorts of bed swapping going around at various different times (laughs) for various different reasons (laughs) and it just really made sense for me to have a double bed in there but I like I remember the first time I met someone that had a double bed as a teenager and I was like what what is this like finery a double bed as a child that's just insane but in the same way that like I used to have a perception when I was younger of people who had um like sky or a satellite dish. oh yeah like, yeah you, you, you would have an idea of who that family was well exactly because um, we were talking uh, I was thinking about when I've been thinking a lot about music just for this you know and thinking about um MTV and what a huge thing that was and I was like why didn't I why didn't I ever really get into MTV and I was like oh yeah <laughs> I didn't I literally didn't have Sky <laughs> I didn't have it till I moved out yes so my family never had it my parents are older in that my, like my dad was 47 when I was born my mum was 38 so so any tech that kind of came into the house were bought but it was bought in by me and my sister really it wasn't I don't I don't remember my mum and dad ever embracing anything beyond the answer phone. (laughs) (laughs) But I do remember my mum and dad doing um, a course at the local library called Computing for the Terrified. um, I know, it's so cute. (laughs) And they used to go along every week and... My dad was quite into it and my mum fucking hated it. She was they were probably probably both in their sixties at the time, but my mum would be like it's you know, it's full of old age pensioners, you know. And what, and what happened was it dwindled and dwindled to the point where the penultimate lesson, which was all about eBay, and my dad was disgruntled because the guy tried to make him buy something on eBay. Um it was just my mum and dad. And um oh. And then they came home and I remember them talking about it. My dad said, my dad was going on tour. My dad's an actor. My dad was going on tour that next week and he made my mum solemnly promise that she would go to the last session. (laughs) And then she she didn't go. (laughs) Oh, no. So they never finished the course. They never finished the course, yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, so we didn't, we did have a did we have a computer? How can all these things like have been 
just fallen out of my head. <laughs> I remember my first laptop, I think I got when I first properly started writing. And that was about 2007. And I remember I bought it from Laptop Students Direct. Do you remember that? Which you used oh, to do. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Cheap, yeah. cheapish laptops. Um, yeah. So that was when you'd left home at that point. Yeah, just about. <laughs> I mean, I was I was at home until I was 25 because um, I didn't go to uni. I went to drama school and my drama school was in London. So it, in Hammersmith, actually. So it just didn't make any sense to move. Do you know what I mean? It didn't make any sense yeah. to go into, you know. So, yeah, I was at home. I was at home till quite late till 25 <laughs> do you remember though when you might have gone on the internet for the first time yes I remember I was working in an admin I was doing admin and I was I, I literally remember it like where I was sitting in the office there was this sort of big pillar here I had a couple of other people in the office and I remember um like them saying so you just go here and you type in this address and so I typed, I, I typed in this website address. It was the website of the company I was working for. And it sort of came up, whatever. And I was like, right, okay. And I remember like trying to look around it, but just had this thing going through my head. I was like, yeah, but what is it? And they'd be like, and then you can go to this site and you can do this. And I, I, yeah, I get that. But, but what is it? I just didn't. I just didn't get the concept. And the ridiculous thing was I was working for an ISP like, <laughs> for um, a company that, yeah, was one of the first free ISPs, actually. And uh, But I was just doing an admin role and I just didn't get involved at all in the tech side of it. And then I remember when I started, like, started to make more sense if I understood, like, the BBC website was, like, linked to the BBC. Mm. So I could I could understand that more. And then like eBay came around and that that's that was very clear and um and lastminute.com was a was um a site I remember using quite a lot um but it was yeah I think that was an interesting thing that at first that sort of thing of going well what is the internet and I think even though it's it's a huge thing like it's a huge concept and an absolutely life-changing world-changing thing you'd probably be able to explain it now to an alien Whereas at the time I was just like, I don't know, it's just these things and places where there's writing. And I never got massively into chat rooms and stuff like that. I didn't, I've always been big into social media, enjoyed it, like for all of its bullshit. I do have fun on Twitter and on Insta and Facebook, like I do. Um, otherwise, I don't think I'd do it, you know. Mm. Um, Were you quite an early adopter of all those things? like Twitter and no, things like that. No, no, not really. Again, around like 2007 I think I joined Facebook because a lot of friends had. Oh yeah, that was yeah. Um it felt about the right time. Um because I I, and, I ask because yeah, today I got that thing that says you've been on Twitter 15 years. Oh and it's oh like God. I can't believe Twitter. <laughs> and does that make you an early adopter? Pretty uh, I I got the email from a friend of mine who works in computers, he sent me an email and I've seen it and he goes, there's this thing called Twitter. I think it's going to be massive. And and I, I even <laughs> think he might have signed me up and sent me the account and went, get on this. This is going oh, to be wow. massive. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, so I was on it in a big, I, I really liked it for the first couple of years. And um, then I read that book, yeah. 10 Reasons to Delete Your Social Media Account Right Now by Jared Lanier. And okay. now I see it for what it is which is <laughs> a, a vehicle for our downfall. <laughs> but I love going back to, um, why well, do I love it? I, I like looking at the memories and going back to when we used to write status updates in the third person. Do you remember yes. that? It used to be like Anna Jordan's hitting the gym at 7am <laughs> again so I can get pissed tonight. Well, hey, <laughs> It was such a novelty at the time, though. When that first came out, it was that yeah. and poking, poking people. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my, I've poked so many inappropriate people. It was just... I think we Because that would be my thing. Poke. Yeah, because I would come home from going out because I was living in London at peak poking time <laughs> and I would go out drinking and then come back really late and then I'd start poking people I fancied. <laughs> and poke. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. 
Oh, I love that. In the mid-noughties, I remember being on a train and I wanted to check um, the Facebook of a boy I fancied. Um, so I typed his name in, and <laughs> but I accidentally sent it as a post. <laughs> so I just typed his name as the post and then I didn't have enough reception on this train <laughs> no! to go in to change it. So then I had to phone my sister <laughs> no! to log in. <laughs> I had just, uh, I think it was a text actually. I, I must have texted my sister. I just yeah. had enough reception to text her with my login details and say, yeah. don't ask any questions, but please, can you just go in and remove this guy's <laughs> name from my feed? Oh my God. Well, that's like, that's like your very own Ed Balls day, isn't it? It I is. That's one of, that is my, fa- probably my favourite thing about Twitter is when Ed Balls day comes around again and Everyone celebrates how Ed Balls just put Ed Balls into Twitter again and again. Right, I didn't know whether I was going to say this, but this is my worst social media story. But And this is like a really good example of how like I just take in little bits of information about stuff and make up my own version of what it is. Like when Insta very, very first started, I just wasn't really like, I didn't really think about what it was or anything. All I knew was that people put lovely filters on their photos so that's what I wanted to do. And at the time, you didn't you didn't have the option to do that on your phone or whatever. Insta seemed like the only place you could do it. So I was in a new relationship and I took some like interesting photos of my bum <laughs> and, and the side the side of my boobs and then set myself up an Insta account and uploaded the photos and then like put lovely filters on them they looked absolutely great and then I was like right how do I download this share do I want to do I want to share this I don't don't think I want to share this that doesn't seem right and so in the end I think I just took I just I just deleted them and just forgot all about it and then I and then I just like maybe days or weeks later I was like oh no Instagram is this what the fuck I nearly posted it (laughs) Can I recommend you a course called Computing for the Terrified? Because I think... (laughs) (laughs) I think the wrong family members might have gone on that course. (laughs) You wrote a play called pop music yes which dealt with growing up in the 90s pretty pretty head-on yes Um, how was writing that was it cathartic was it a problem did you hate it (laughs) well no that was completely my project so um well in the i bought the idea to james grieve of Payne's plow and we'd been meeting and chatting for years about ideas the premise of the idea Uh, The sort of provocation, which is a very theatre word that I don't often use, but like that I'd set myself was this idea that pop music makes promises it can't keep. And like sort of armed with that and then the structure of it, which is um, the last hour of a wedding, a dismal wedding disco, not a dismal wedding, a dismal wedding and a last hour of the disco when there's just two people left on the dance floor and they're really boozed up and they're basically exploring their lives through the songs that were really big to them throughout their lives. Yeah, it was incredibly cathartic to write. I mean, there's so much of me in there, but also hard, emotionally hard, because um, it, it it sort of deals a lot with grief. And it was not that long after I lost my mum, you know, that I wrote it. A couple of years, maybe. Um but I, I've something I've discovered about myself as a writer, which has taken a long time to work out, is that in terms of just the pure like joy and excitement of words, of using words, that I'm keen to try to find a way to put into words things that are unput into wordsable, if that makes sense. <laughs> and like, you know, the feelings and emotions that we get sometimes um nostalgia i suppose is the thing that i'm most interested in and how we can put that into words and i think actually think it's sort of impossible like music does so so much for us but yeah it was it was a real it was like going through my own mm-hmm. life through music <laughs> it was sort of exciting and fun mm-hmm. and depressing and weird in lots of different ways it's framed around as you say two people 
at a dance floor on a wedding disco was it inspired by a specific yeah. event were you at a wedding and went this <laughs> or was it something that you kind of landed on afterwards i've been inspired by many wedding receptions like i love to watch the sort of energies and politics of a wedding reception and then like i had real fun like there's this oh god i can't remember it so, so it's talking about how different music unites different people. And there's this bit at the beginning of um, Jump Around. You know, you hear that, duh, 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 at the beginning. And then everyone starts jumping. And we sort of changed the lyrics. So it was like, um, Uncle Jim, Auntie Pam, your dad and your nan, all up on their feet like you set fire to their seat. Mum necks a white wine. Now she's feeling quite fine. Legs it to the floor, leaves her pashmina on the sideline. <laughs> So we just changed it, changed the lyrics to um, to like kind of represent the the way that everyone comes together over music, regardless of like age, generation and, you know. And so I really enjoyed that. I don't think it was like, I don't think it was necessarily inspired by anything like a physical event other than give me alcohol don't give me alcohol <laughs> I'm making it sound, I'm making it sound like I'm I drink a lot and I actually don't drink a lot now but alcohol has been a huge part of my life give me alcohol and give me music that means something put those two things together with humans hmm. and like what you get from it is just this weird kind of reflection or unraveling of your life which is sometimes like cathartic and interesting and exciting and sometimes like really unhelpful because we become maudlin we <laughs> you know um yeah and I think it sort of deals with all of that and there's a bit quite close to the end no spoilers but there's a bit quite close to the end where the guy is talking about this very difficult emotional situation he goes through and like he pulls the plug on the speaker and there's just like silence and it's the first time you hear silence in the play and he's like but this is really it isn't it like all my life I've tried to hide in inside pop songs, pretended my life mm. was like shinier and, uh, and and better and more exciting than it really was. But this is real life. Mm. <laughs> the silence. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. So that was that was really what I wanted to explore with it. But it's been wonderful to I mean it's quite old now. I mean it's five years old the play, but but to go back and go through all the stuff that, you know, would have been played at your school disco. I mean, that's a massive thing, right? That mm. idea of what yeah. you have in your first dance move. Yeah, because even if if the play is five mm. years old, those memories are still the same because they still go back to the same era. Yeah. So if you did it now, it would be the same triggers. And, you know, I, I find it really interesting yeah. because I don't yeah. know if I have some mild form of um, synesthesia um because i mm. i do um think about different colors with with different words but not all words just random ones oh wow and i it's the same with music yeah. and i don't know if it is synesthesia maybe everyone experiences this but there are some songs yeah. that when i hear them it doesn't just remind me of things i am there yeah. i can feel the sun on my oh, face wow. i can smell you know whatever perfume i was wearing at the time or what my boyfriend was wearing and it's oh, it's yeah. so all consuming like I'm transported back and the other day I heard um oh Baz Luhrmann's everyone's free to wear sunscreen <laughs> and I remember because that was out when we were doing our A-levels and I remember yeah. the wow. night before um our English literature exam going down to my friend's house like I'm in my parents house now her house was three doors down mm. and I went down there and she was panicking <laughs> like really spiraling about this exam and this song came on the radio oh. and I remember her saying to me he's right you know <laughs> like she was having a really profound moment <laughs> to try and reassure herself that everything Baz Luhrmann was saying is true and the exams don't matter and I heard it in the car the other day and yeah. it actually made me really Ooh. sad because a lot of the words that he yeah. sings in that song when you're 17 or 18 means something completely different yeah. to when you're retrospectively listening to yeah. it and thinking god i'm now living what he was predicting in that song like it's yeah. it's a it's a roller coaster 
<laughs> so, yeah, it is. And do you know what always gets me about that song is when he says, it's, I can't remember, I'm paraphrasing, mm. but it's sort of like, it's not the things that you've been worrying about for ages. It's that phone call on a Tuesday afternoon or something like that that's going to just change your life. And I've, I mean, I've had a couple of instances of that in my life where like very incredibly, well, you know, new life-changing news will mm. will suddenly come out of nowhere. You know, and it's yeah, that song mm. is that song is so intense, mm. um, and it's so interesting viewing things that viewing things that were made for you when you were younger and that you were really into you and you were younger yeah. than like looking back at them now and being like, oh, wow, that, that feels completely different. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, when you're 17, you're thinking, oh, yeah, when I'm older, I will look, you know, I, I, I'm, I do think I'm fat now. I, or I don't think I'm attractive now. And, you know, that, that bit when he talks about, you know, you're, you're never as fat as you thought you were. I can't, again, I'm paraphrasing. But I'm still doing yes, it. Yeah. And like, I'm 42 now. And I know in 10 years' time, yeah. I will look back at photos of me now and think, God, Essence, what were you worrying about? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I had someone say to me, someone I was working with, and I, I didn't mind him saying it at the time, but now I think it's quite shit. I was working with him in an off-license, I think, when I was about 18. And he said, you are going to be at your absolute peak oh my God. at 22. <laughs> and 22 came and went 32 came and went 42 came and went and you know it's it's so weird there is a moment where you are like I am pretty sure that I'm not ever gonna look better than I have at Mm. some point in my life (laughs) and that point is in the past so like yeah, it's so, I mean, it's that sort of age-old story. I remember having this really profound moment in the pub in Edinburgh with a load of, uh, with my one of my really close girlfriends, Sarah, and her friends who she bought. We just all got to know each other, and they're so lovely. And, um, like, three, it sounds, real women, do you know what I mean? And we were, like, in our mid-30s, and we were sort of sitting around having a drink and we were talking about body image or whatever, you know, and I was saying, yeah, but don't you think it's sad that we just will always be comparing ourselves to um, incredibly thin models and always striving for perfection and always looking at our bodies and thinking we're not good enough, we're not good enough. And they went, no, oh God, we don't really feel like that. And I was like, what? You mean there's women out there that don't <laughs> feel like that? And like, I can laugh about it now, but I mean, that has yeah. absolutely been my experience of living in this world is like looking at my body and saying, yeah. it's been a constant, sorry, this has suddenly got a bit, no, it's good. <laughs> a bit deep, but it's been yeah. a constant fight. Yeah. Up until I had a baby and then, it, and then, and then it all changed. And it was a little bit like, oh, you've done something really great and so I'm you're, not, you're, you know anyway you, not that not no that but you're your already one step ahead to. of me because I'm not at that stage still like I still have the same mindset as I was when right. I was younger. like I, I look at the younger generation like Gen Z especially who have a much more healthy attitude towards mm-hmm. body positivity and they look amazing in whatever yeah. they wear whatever size they are and I'm so envious mm-hmm. of them whereas for me I'm co- still thinking I'm not skinny enough constantly and it's it's from you know maybe yeah. that three-year period in the 90s when my body was changing and I didn't look like my skinny yeah. friends or you know it's yeah it's just in there yeah I think that when I walk around central London for example and I see models of different sizes different races different like body differences um scars uh skin condition like when I see that and I I mean the thing that really hits home for me is the Mm. different body sizes I'm like all this shitty stuff's happening in the world but yet this is a quite quiet thing because we don't sort of actively think about the things we're looking at do we but we'd sort of take it all in and I think that's what it was like Mm. when you were growing up in the 90s it was insidious this idea that that women were specifically a certain thing or a shape you had to be that way and so I think it's absolutely Mm. revolutionary actually and and it's something that I think about a lot and I actually started taking photos and built this little collection for myself just to look through to go it's Mm. changing it is changing you know 
I think. And that's that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Because I'm writing a pantomime for Stratford East Theatre and I'm really enjoying it because I haven't written any theatre for ages, actually. And I, I love working with children and and I've got a son now. So um, and I'm watching quite a lot of Disney stuff. Um, and I've been so down on Disney for so many years, <laughs> like really anti anti Disney because of like the body image that they gave us. It's so like in another universe. <laughs> It's just absolute madness to be feeding that shit to four, five-year-old girls that this is what a woman looks like. Mm. It's absolute insanity. But yeah. And then there was a whole thing on Twitter about recently about how Disney had their first plus-size heroine. Um, and it was about this plus-size dancer. But the the it was about the fact that she had body dysmorphia. And I was like, mm. hang on a minute. I don't, and it, what, is she not plus size yeah. then? <laughs> what is yeah. it that she's not, what is it that she's seeing or not seeing? So yeah, I, Disney has a lot to answer for, <laughs> yeah. I think, because it's all very well once sex comes into play, you know, I know you guys have discussed Euro trash and stuff before, <laughs> you know, um, on the show, which is a massive part of, you know, my sort of, I was going to say awakening, <laughs> like <laughs> you know that the industry of sex can't really comes into play very, very early. Mm. But like, that's not what Beauty and the Beast is. Mm. About. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. That's literally. Yeah. I know it is mad, and yeah. I, I find because um, I I have a nine year old daughter and a six year old son, and I have found yeah. since they've been born that Disney is getting better. I'm not saying it's perfect, but they are getting better yeah. in the way that not every film they've got now is about a woman finding a man. <laughs> it's not just about that. You can yes, be a heroine yeah, yeah. and it doesn't have to be because you're trying to find your one true love. Your one true love can be your family yeah. or, you know, your identity or yeah, um, your friends. Your friends yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that that is refreshing. Um, and also I find yeah. that, you know, my, my son will watch the same ones my daughter likes. So even mm. if they're, they're, yeah. they're very much female, main characters my son still loves them yeah. because they're just strong characters it doesn't yeah. matter if they're women or, or men or you know so it's, I think it's getting there yeah but I think you're right when we were growing up it was yeah you could say the same for Barbies and Cindy's couldn't you you could yeah. say the same for um you know but you've got lol dolls now which are quite <laughs> something <laughs> so as a playwright and as a writer yeah was English your favorite subject in school or are you going to surprise us with something else I I think probably well I wanted to do all the art subjects so I wanted to do drama art and music and of course in my school you could only do one so I did drama but I think yeah I'm gonna be really boring and say I think it probably was but um <laughs> but I any anything kind of arty I really massively embraced and anything sporty or academic, I didn't. But I still scraped by. So I was like, I was a real, actually, I think, Seth, we talked about this on Twitter when we were saying, like, our vibe in our teens was slutty boffin. Was that right? <laughs> Did you say that? I don't think I said that, but I think I was on the thread. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So I, that very much my vibe from sort of year ten onwards was slutty boffin. But before that, it was just <laughs> sort of boffin. <laughs> and um, but um, I would, I would sort of be in quite high groups for most things. But um, but all my mates would be from other groups, so I wouldn't be. So I'd sort of cross. I'd sort of straddle the groups, if you like. So I'd be in the sort of higher classes, the higher level classes, but all my mates would be from all, all sort of different um, streams, as it were, mm. within the school. So, yeah, I but but yeah, I guess English was my favourite subject, drama, maybe anything arty, very boring, standard <laughs> answer. <laughs> Did you have um, inspirational teachers then who taught you those subjects? Yeah. Or was it just the subjects themselves you, you enjoyed anyway? No, I did. So I had like, I had two or three inspiring teachers, I think, who more than anything 
just gave me real confidence in myself and my abilities. I don't, again, I'm, my memory is so shot to shit. Like I think, I always think post baby, I was like, oh, baby brain. And then post COVID, I was like, oh, it's COVID brain. And now I'm like, it's just my brain. (laughs) (laughs) That I can't remember things, but I don't, I remember that there was a couple of teachers I had who were like drama teachers or English teachers. Yeah, who sort of showed you the world in a different way and but mainly were really encouraging because I think maybe I was I had difficulty applying myself. You know, I was unsure of myself in a lot of ways. Um, So, yeah, there were those teachers who were inspiring, I guess, but not so... um, I just remember my interactions with them rather than the way they taught, if that makes sense. So um, we have a dome in which we are putting items which reflect (laughs) the Zenial experience. Uh, What would you put in the Zenial dome? I really thought about this a lot. You saying Zenial dome makes me think of the Millennium Dome, which is something that I could have put in there which is quite interesting oh that would be good because then it would mean the zenial dome has to be at least a bit bigger than the, than the millennium dome i've never really thought well, about just... like ooh, tessellation of them well i just remember it because i remember not no one really knew what it was and then afterwards no one really knew what it was the millennium dome. but so i had a long old think about it but what i decided to put into the zenial dome was disposable cameras <gasps> Oh, yeah. I can't believe we haven't had that. No, No, we we haven't. We haven't. Good. So I thought about this because I think it's an item that absolutely encapsulates the difference between growing up when we did and growing up, say, 15, 20 years later. Yeah. It's this idea, like, of how we experience our lives, right, and how we remember and record and I feel like maybe I I mean I'm sort of briefly explain what it is do you have any really young listeners who like the ones that haven't haven't heard of neighbors and stuff (laughs) it was it was a camera made of cardboard wasn't it it's it's a sort of incredible thing oh it's such a good choice because it would come at the time between cameras which would have cost a lot of money, and before digital photography, yeah, yeah. and when we were at our most yeah. disposable as a society, where we went, oh yeah, we'll make them and just <laughs> fling them in the yeah. bin when we're done. Yeah, God, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, so they were plastic or cardboard cameras that were disposable. So rather than changing a film in your existing camera, you'd just buy a disposable camera. And so like you'd go on holiday and you'd have three, you know, mm. two or three. Yeah. And you'd record these little bits of your these little memories and the real thing about it is that you don't you don't get to check what it looks like you don't get to Mm. retake you take it in the moment and it's there and then you've got that excitement of coming home and then and then taking them to the shop and getting them printed and then being given them like we don't print our photos now right Mm. um but I also think you know really I think that not having the option to do a selfie or, you know, you did, I suppose you did, but you didn't know what it looked like was an (laughs) amazing thing. I think selfies are really fucking awful and I'm not like (laughs) a big selfie person on social media. Like I wouldn't take a lot of pictures of myself to post on social media, but like I will send them to like my friends and, and, and my boyfriend and stuff. But, um, I read this article about how I think it specifically said like early millennials, don't know how to pose for photos. So, like, the idea is that you're supposed to kind of keep moving because it's really unnatural (laughs) to go like that. So now sometimes if I take – if I'm taking a photo, I'll, like, kind of keep moving, (laughs) snap, snap. Um, But also – I think it works particularly for women, but maybe it's unf- – I'm being unfair. Like maybe it's the same for, for everyone. But I feel like you get to 35, you find a selfie face, which you think is like absolute damage limitation. <laughs> and you and you and that is the face that you pull in every – it doesn't matter what occasion you could be at, you know, wedding, yeah. christening, party, whatever. And I think what I think is really funny is when you get two girls – 
that take a selfie together, two women, they sort you can use the side of another woman's face to sort of give yourself a gentle facelift. <laughs> I've never tried that. I will be. <laughs> Wait, but the best bit is when you've got two friends and you can bring them close and give yourself a full facelift. <laughs> That's hilarious. So that, I don't think that it was necessarily there with disposable cameras. Like I think we were still posing, we were still doing, but it was the joy of... Of, of of not having it immediately. Yeah, but those fo- I do have photographs of, you know, when we used to go to the nightclub in Aberystwyth and we take a disposable camera. Yeah. And, you know, I have some photographs of me and my friends. We are what was it called? What was the nightclub called? Peer pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> peer pressure. Uh it was called peer pressure. peer pressure. It's on the pier and it's called peer pressure and it's still there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, can I put that? Can I put that in something? That is so good. Yes, it's, it's <laughs> such a good name for a nightclub on a pier. <laughs> so yeah, because we 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 take these cameras with us, and and I do have photographs of me and my friends when we were in sixth form, and we'd managed to get into the, this club, and the photos of us were just so red and sweaty and hot because we've just yeah. been dancing for hours, and I love those photos more than any other post photos. Yeah. They because they really capture you know what we were doing at the time and 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 we we look really happy in them you know I think there's something nice about them because you would be taking them to places where you weren't taking a proper camera Mm. so I think you were taking them on places where it would be maybe a bit rough and ready where you'd be afraid of losing it where you'd be afraid of dropping it and things like that so I think the things that you're all the place times I can remember taking them I remember taking some on family holidays and things like that maybe where it's like oh it's gonna get bashed around in a bag or whatever Mm. i think they (laughs) represent like a certain amount of fun that maybe if you're taking like the proper camera it's not okay pose properly this will be it's much more rough and ready and fun and silly and i think that's what's fun about them and the other thing i associate them with is weddings there was a real trend in the early noughties where they would leave disposable cameras on the tables of weddings Mm. and say oh take photos and then we'll develop them at the end and i know of one wedding where someone definitely just took it into the toilet and took a horrific photo You are asking for it, yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just terrible. No, but I love. I love that idea. I love that idea. It's, it, it's and again, great. it's that thing of it's very disposable. It's using the fact it's disposable, yeah. which I think is really fun. Mm. But it's it's the point that you touched on, Anna, as well about you know waiting for the photographs to be developed as well. So it would extend the experience of that day or that night. So if you'd gone on holiday or yeah. if you'd had a night out, it would then spill onto the next week. So it would never really be over. So we'd go out, we'd take photos. Yeah. And then by the next week, we'd bring our photos into school and we'd be in the sixth form room oh, and we'd then share amazing. our photos and stuff. And and it kind of, it helps carry on the lovely time mm. that you had. Whereas now it's yeah. so, I, I can't even remember now if I, if I go out with friends and we'll take photos, but we don't necessarily share them amongst each other on whatsapp or anything mm. they're just our yeah. photos now we don't yeah. really share yeah. them it's weird I, i've had two instances in the last couple of years where i have found while sorting out my mum's house a camera with a film in that's undeveloped <gasps> and i've got to take it to a yeah. snappy snaps it says everything <laughs> that the, the last one i did was literally only about three weeks ago and i took it to the snappy snaps and i handed it in and um, they went, okay, it'll be ready in a couple of days. And then I got a phone call at the end of the week and they went, you have to pick them up today. The shop is closing. <gasps> As is, so I, was, oh I, I had to go pick them up by four o'clock because oh the branch was closing down. Oh and I was like, oh yeah, an- analog te- technology is dying if yeah, this yeah, shop yeah. isn't good. What were they? What were they, guys? So the, the, the ones that the last, the last set I did were from university and they had it was quite weird because there were photos where me and a friend had organized a stand-up comedy night and we took photos mm. of the acts 
And one of them is Mitch Ben, who I then went on to work with for years on the oh, Now wow. Show. But at the time, I'm just a student going, please, this website, student website, or whatever. The student website never got the photo because it was literally developed three weeks ago. But it's that. So there were things like that and like stuff I was doing at university. Mm. Um, but the previous yeah. one was one of those ones where the film is like two little reels with a plastic bridge between the two. It was one of those. And that yeah. was me and my brother camping in our garden when we were about 12 oh, and that oh was God. those were really and um yeah that I, was really fun to find it mario or sonic neither oh what <laughs> oh I'd have thought you'd say Sonic because oh, I, in Brentford there's that massive glowing Sonic <laughs> right next to the football ground that that is the sign that I need to come off the M4. <laughs> okay, Oasis or Blur? Blur. Delia Smith or Jamie Oliver? Jamie, I loved him when he used to slide down that pole. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> Cooking was so cool. <laughs> uh, grunge or hip hop? Grunge. Let's Guide or York Notes? York Notes? <laughs> yeah, York Notes. York Notes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Radio Times or TV Times? Oh, we used to get both. Oh, hello. I, yeah, but remember that you had to. That's what to. happens when you're brought up by actors. <laughs> you had to because Radio yeah. Times only did BBC One and Two and TV Times did Three and Four. But anyway, Radio Times. <laughs> dress over jeans or dress over T-shirt? Dress over T-shirts. Neighbours are home and away. Oh, it's so hard. But I, I think I'm probably going to go with home and away because, yeah, home and away. Uh, Spice Girls are all saints. <laughs> all saints, but I'm not bothered about either. Reluctantly. <laughs> and finally, so, eau de toilette or exclamation eau de toilette? Exclamation. In the exclamation bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to smell that now. I would love to know where that will transport me if I could smell it. I'm sure it now. you could. I'm sure it can be arranged. The other day, I went into the body shop with my son and I picked up white musk and for some reason, like, absolutely doused myself, my whole torso, with white musk. <laughs> and then it, it's so evocative because that's what I wore that and Jewbury. I wore that growing mm. up and the smell of it, it smells exactly the same. And, and and it just left me with this weird kind of like disconnect because I was like, this is my son, <laughs> I'm middle-aged. And yeah, I smell like the Um Brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, how can people find out what you're up to? Oh, God. Um, well, I'm always banging on about it on Twitter um is this a zenial thing that i have like two websites and now i just never update them i can't bring myself <laughs> i can't bring myself to take them down because i built them myself on wordpress and i'm actually really proud of them but i haven't updated them for like five years <laughs> um, but yeah twitter i guess is the same i'm 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 wap theater on twitter wap and that is long long before wap came out um, but I just live with it now and um, say that it's the wet ass playwriting, which. <laughs> that was Anna Jordan. Thank you very much to Anna for coming on the show and being so honest with us. Very honest. <laughs> yeah, we've learnt a lot. Um, and again, it feels like we're collecting friends. Yeah, it feels like we're friends for life now. Friends for after life now. Finding out all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much to Anna for coming on the show. If you want to get in touch, you can. You can tweet us at the Zenial Dome. You can Instagram us at Zenial Dome and all the other various ways. <laughs> um, now, let me have a look at this tweet we got. Hi, the Zenial Dome. This is from the Steph. Did you get given spellings in a tobacco tin when you were a primary school, or is that just something that happened in Bristol in the eighties? <laughs> so, what's what what do you imagine from that description? Well, because I think we had something similar in a in a tin in primary school, which was like laminated words. I think that you teacher would take out and you'd have to put them in a sentence or something like that yeah and these ones were in a tobacco tin which yeah. i really <laughs> like i don't think we had anything like that in a tobacco tin but i do really like stuff that's aimed at kids 
when you see it, you go, oh, now that would be very inappropriate. <laughs> my favourite, it's one of my favourite things to see in the wild. <laughs> but you know those I spy books with the Michelin man? Yeah. I really like that. I and mean, you see them in charity shops and that's great. But if you get a really, really, really old one, the Michelin man is smoking a big fat cigar. <laughs> and I absolutely love it. Because it's so inappropriate. Well, inappropriate and dangerous. Because isn't he at a garage somewhere? Oh, he, he probably, near petrol. Well, he's made of tyres. He's probably hanging around a garage <laughs> or a tip. Uh, we'll be back next week with now. We're, it's it's going to be the Machantlef episode, isn't yes, it? Yes, live. Live. Um, it's Ria Lena recorded live at Machantlef Comedy Festival. So if you weren't there, you can listen, and if you were there. You can also listen and find out what we cut out. <laughs> um, so it's going to be great. We shall see you next week. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.